You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Monday morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. <laughs> Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Peter Brook, the national champs of chocolate for Valentine's week. That's right. That's right. Among the Peter Brook Chocolatier stores, 24 in all, it was ours right here in West Central Alabama that led the way in sales. A big thank you to everyone in the Tuscaloosa area who helped Peterbrook Tuscaloosa to that distinction. All the credit in the world to you folks. Absolutely. The Peterbrook dynasty rolls on. 14 years now. Kind of goes hand in hand with that Alabama football dynasty. You know what I'm saying? You recognizing any of the uh, connection there? Maybe? I don't know. Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by executive producer Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 of Sports Talk Radio. And Jacob, man, what is going on outside right now? It is here. It is here, I'm afraid, or it's uh, it's about to really be here, one or the other or both. Uh, yeah, one or the other or both. I th- yeah, I think it's both. Um we were just looking outside about 20 minutes ago, and it looked like the day after tomorrow, and now it's kind of clearing up a little bit. Uh, yeah, not, not a fan of the sideways rain, Travis. No, never, never. And uh, we're certainly going to do our best here. It tied 100.9 FM, and, of course, the other stations on the Town Square media family going to do the same as well to try to get you through this rough weather, man. It's tough out there. Be careful. Be safe out on those streets. Temperatures dropping, wind picking up, sideways rain. Absolutely. We got a lot to get into on this Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports, as is typically the case on Mondays. We got some winners and losers from the sports weekend, in addition to Peterbrook Chocolatier here in the Tuscaloosa area. Pretty good weekend for Alabama athletics, I would say. I guess gymnastics took its first loss over in Athens on Friday night, but. You had an altered season opening softball schedule for our guy Patrick Murphy and the Alabama softball team. They ended up down in Montgomery because of weather conditions in Austin, Texas, that were not conducive to really anything outdoors, as a matter of fact, there uh, in the state of Texas. So Murph and his crew adjust on the fly, goes down to Montgomery, beats Alabama State, beats Notre Dame down there, comes home, and then takes a double dip from the Cardinals of the University of Louisville. Alabama goes 4-0 and for the weekend. Four shutouts. I like starting out with four shutouts, don't you? Alyssa Brown, the veteran center fielder, 6-for-9 over the weekend, 9-for-9 nine nine on stolen bases, five runs. Bailey Hempful, a good start at the plate, 5-for-12, an RBI. Excuse me, five RBI. And then what we talked about up the middle of this Alabama softball team, you got a freshman at shortstop, Bailey Dowling. Looks like she's going to be a great one. 
two-time Illinois Player of the Year on the high school level. She's also hitting in the middle of the lineup. Had her first career home run yesterday over there at the Rhodes House. So a good start for Murph in the Alabama softball team. And, of course, Alabama men's basketball on Saturday afternoon there at Coleman Coliseum. Just 115 points. No overtime either. All right? Didn't cheat. You might see some teams on the college level get to buck 15 if they play that extra five. No overtime involved in Alabama men's basketball with an, a school record for SEC play anyway. 115 points in that whitewashing of the George Bulldogs. You had the Darius Miles dunk. That's all anybody wants to talk about. You know, the Darius Miles dunk. It was a hellacious dunk. Don't get me wrong. It got me sort of into the mode of best in-game dunkers in Alabama men's basketball history. Robert Ory, Gerald Wallace, Antonio McDice, some maybe under-the-radar guys like Tony Mitchell. Tony Mitchell could throw it down. Keeping Tony on the court was a bit of a challenge, but uh, when he was out there, you had to have a head on a swivel. If you were an opponent, because Tony would throw it down on your head. Scenario Hillman. Remember Scenario? Another one of those guys. Wasn't going to beat you shooting many threes, Scenario. Uh, but Scenario could sky in his own right. He also had a walk-on like Jason Reese years ago. You remember that Auburn game years ago? Jason Reese had a memorable dunk off the bench for Alabama. So uh, maybe we'll get into some in-game dunkers in Alabama men's basketball history, but we'll also take your phone calls at 205-342-9904. That is the Peter Brook studio line. If you'd like to check in with us, we'd love to hear from you. We're going to talk with Chris Hummer, the professorial one, Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 247sports.com coming up around 1120 or so. We're going to get into a multitude of topics with Chris Hummer, because he can do that. He's very versatile, very capable, Chris Hummer. We're going to talk with Chris Hummer, Gus Malzahn. Did Gus get his mouse ears? Sounds like he's getting them this afternoon down there in Orlando. Gus Malzahn to UCF. Did UCF upgrade when all this is said and done, when the dust settles? Did UCF actually upgrade over Josh Heupel? I mean, when you look at Gus's resume, SEC championship, national championship game appearance, three wins over Nick Saban in Alabama during his time at Auburn. I don't know. I think uh, UCF came out of this thing pretty good. You know, Gus obviously knows the lay of the land in this region when it comes to recruiting. Uh, He's going to be in a league where UCF, in terms of commitment and resources, is at the very top of that list in the AAC. I think Gus came out pretty good. I think UCF came out pretty good. I think when you consider Gus got $21.4 million to go away from Auburn, and he got half of that. Remember this, too. He got half of that within 30 days of his dismissal. That'll buy a lot of fast passes down there at Disney, won't it? Yeah. They got Waffle Houses in Orlando. Gus is going to be, he's going to be just fine. Going to be able to get that cheese and eggs plate. That's the personal favorite at Waffle House. Jacob, do you have a Waffle House personal favorite to go to at the Waffle House? Oh, yes, sir, I do. What is it? Let's hear it. All-star. Three eggs with cheese, sausage well done. Uh, grits in a bowl, uh-huh. you know, cut up the sausage, put it in the grits, uh, grits yeah. with cheese as well. Uh, two waffles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jacob, that's, I mean, you're an old lineman, right? I mean, so that, that's kind of, well, technically right. no, I, I just really like to eat and I worked at Waffle <laughs> House for, for a period of time. So I, I kind of really? had a feeling of, you know, I, I got to know what was good and what was not uh, well, we <laughs> and some of the by- tricks. I don't want to go behind the curtain on Waffle House. That might ruin it for me. No behind the curtain at the Waffle House. Now, if you've got some sort of off the menu, you know. Uh, uh, hacks that you can give us. We're open for those. The off-the-menu hacks we're definitely down with. Um, I'm cheese and eggs guy. I don't think my cardiologist 
likes that as much these days, but I love the cheese eggs. Uh, I get the bacon well done. Got to tell them well done, don't you, Jacob? Because it'll just be kind of a flash, flash and dash with that bacon. Be a little, little soggy, a little, uh, uh, you know, not great. You got to tell them well done or crisp with that bacon. I, I got to get the hash browns. You don't get the hash browns? Or did you say hash browns? No, I, I like the, the, the grits and the bowl like the and it, with, bowl. with the yeah. sausage, yeah. See, I go hash browns over grits, and then uh, I love the raisin toast. You know, The only thing about the raisin toast, and you can maybe give us, is that, uh, is that apple butter? Is it, is it expensive for them? Because they'll only give you that one container of that apple butter for that raisin toast. It must be costly. It, it must be trying to hold back on that stuff. I think they give like a third of the uh, – or, or excuse me, they keep a third of that compared to what they do with grape and uh, strawberry. So that, that has a little bit to do with it. They have to ration it. Yeah. You, you have to be resourceful with the apple butter when it comes to the raisin toast. Hey, this if you is, ask for three three things of them, though, I was, I was the first one in line. I, you're going to get three things of apple butter. You can do that. Yeah, all right. Well, this is great. I could do – I didn't know we had an in-house expert, you know, an alum, so to speak, of Waffle House. I could spend shows doing Waffle House shows, you know, if it came down to it. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. So, yeah, we've got Alabama men's basketball now still very much in control of things in the SEC uh, regular season race, and we'll see, I guess, how things play out with Texas A&M moving towards uh, the middle of the week. Uh, that's the next destination for this Alabama team, a trip to College Station. As we talked about on Friday, A&M forced to postpone its game over the weekend against the Florida Gators due to COVID issues. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what the midweek looks like for Nate Oates and his team uh, home game against Vanderbilt. And really, again, with the way things are shaking out, take care of business at home with Vanderbilt and Alvin. And you're looking at your first SEC regular season title since 2002, 2002, to be exact. So uh, continues to look very good for this Alabama team. You saw on Saturday before the game, CBS hosted that early reveal of the current seeding for the NCAA men's tournament, and you saw Alabama as the number seven overall seed on that program, the number two seed in Region 1, as it's being called right now. You know, all these games are going to be played um, in the Indianapolis area, or in the state of Indiana, of course, with the NCAA tournament this time around. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they just stick with Region 1, Region 2, Region 3, Region 4, but... Alabama was a two seed in that region one with Gonzaga, the number one overall seed and the number one seed in that region one. Oklahoma, the three seed in that region. Um, And Iowa, number four there in that region with Gonzaga, Alabama, and OU. The Alabama women yesterday got a much-needed win, by the way, on the road at Auburn. A four-game losing streak comes to an end for Christy Curry's team. They get back to 500 in the league. I think 8-8 eight and eight in the regular season is enough this year to get the Alabama women into the NCAA Women's Tournament for the first time since 1999. Uh, need to take care of business on the road this week at Florida. And then you got another stretch coming up that's not going to be easy. I believe it's uh, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Texas A&M with two of those three on the road for your final three. So really need to get a game over, get a game over 500 at Florida this week, get to seven and six, and then win one of th- one of the three uh, from State, Arkansas, and A&M, specifically that home game with Mississippi State. Alabama's already knocked off the Bulldogs on the road this season. Uh, if you could take care of business at home against State, get a road win over Florida, I think at 8-8 eight and eight going into the SEC tournament, feel really good about their chances as well. 205-342-9904. Other items that we will get into on this Monday edition of the program. Some of this we'll cover with Chris Hummer as well coming up in just a little bit. Jay Valai 
your new, yet to be officially announced, cornerbacks coach at the University of Alabama. How about how about this last stretch of four or five years for Jay Falai? You want to have the coaching business put into sort of a put a bow on top of it for you, kind of packaged in a way in which you can understand how it works. And a lot of this is in line with what we've talked about here about the NFL and the Power Five level, especially kind of falling into to one streamline, one pipeline of, of coaches. Uh, Jay Valai, former Wisconsin player, he has worked at, since 2016. He has worked at Georgia. He has worked with the Kansas City Chiefs. He has worked at Rutgers. He has worked at Texas. He has worked at Houston. And he has worked with the Philadelphia Eagles. All that since 2016. And as a matter of fact, in the last month alone, he has drawn paychecks from Texas. I guess he drew one from Houston. I don't know if he was there long enough because I think it was 10 or 11 days before Valai went from Houston to the Philadelphia Eagles, and now here he is a few weeks after that with the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's coaching in 2021. We're going to head to our first break. When we come back, we are going to check in with Chris Hummer, national college football writer there at 247sports.com. We'll ask Chris about his thoughts on Gus Malzahn, apparently, to Central Florida. Uh, He knows a little bit about Jay Valai and the track he's been on. Uh, Chris, of course, right out there in Austin, Texas, which, by the way, Chris tells me power's out in Austin, Texas. No power for Chris Hummer right now, but he will join us. Sleet, snow, uphill, both ways. Uh, Chris Hummer, you can count on him. So we'll check in with Chris of 247sports.com coming up next on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by C Spire. Add C Spire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash AL Fiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Senior Jasmine Walker set a new school record with 41 points to lead Alabama past Auburn 92-78 to on Sunday afternoon down on the Plains. Walker scored 21 of her 41 points in the fourth quarter to lead the tie to their fourth straight win against their in-state rivals. The win puts Alabama back at 500 in SEC play at 6-6 six and six, with a trip to Florida next up on Thursday. Congratulations as well to the Alabama softball team, winning all four of their games this weekend to begin the 2021 season. Pat Patrick Murphy also passed the 1,100 win mark with Sunday's victories at Rhodes Stadium. Alabama returns to action this weekend, hosting the Easton Bama Bash at Rhodes Stadium. I'll have more in a moment. Bad internet is bad for business. We've all been there. Lagging video chats. What I said. Slow downloads. Oh, come on. It's just not a good look. Instead, call Ceasefire Business. Our local experts deliver gigabit speeds backed by thousands of miles of fiber for the fastest, most reliable internet around. Period. No excuses, no apologies. Just fiber fast internet that works. Ceasefire Business. See how our fiber solutions can help power your success at ceasefirebusiness.com. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance on the network at 6 p.m. Central. We'll be hosting the show live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa. And we'll be joined on the show by gymnastics coach Dana Duckworth, as well as basketball head coach Nate Oates. The show begins at 6 p.m. and we'll be streaming live on our Twitter and Facebook pages. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by C Spire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sport. Tuscaloosa County remains under a winter storm warning today. Initially, the big icing problems north and west of Tuscaloosa. But as cold air moves in this afternoon, rain will likely change to freezing rain. Temperatures go below freezing. We'll probably begin to see some bridge icing by mid to late afternoon. There could be some icy patches on blacktop roads tonight. We'll be in the teens early tomorrow morning. So if you're driving later this afternoon and tonight, watch out for icing on bridges and some roads as well. Again, we'll be in the teens tomorrow morning. But the good news, we go back in the 40s by Wednesday, low 50s by 
by Thursday. We'll watch the weather carefully. We'll keep you advised. I'm James Spann in the ABC 3340 Weather Center. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! for a bank or somewhere to do a business transaction. Nope. And uh, in honor of President's Day, a little bush for you there. Get it? Oh, we're just so, we're so, so cute and clever, Jacob. You know? Really undervalued aspect of the program, I think. The cuteness and the cleverness. Anyway, the Alabama men's basketball team, as we prepare to shift to some college football talk with Chris Hummer of 247sports.com, the Alabama men's basketball team, the AP poll, the latest AP poll has come out in your Alabama Crimson Tide now, number eight in the nation in the AP, back into that top ten. There you go, Alabama men's basketball. Looking for its sixth Football, men's basketball, SEC championship combination in athletic department history. You had three of those in a three-year stretch under Paul William Bryant and C.M. Newton on the basketball side. Had one in 33-34 with Frank Thomas and Hank Crisp. And then 89-90, Bill Curry whips Sanderson. Thanks to Kirk McNair, by the way, for that little nugget at BamaOnline.com. Read that in one of Kirk's pieces on BOL over the weekend. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with Chris Hummer. Get into some college football talk with Chris Hummer. First of all, Chris, uh, we were communicating earlier Power outage uh, for you there in Austin. You hanging in there? I mean, do, what do you you got a bonfire or something going? How are you? How are you managing, Chris? First and foremost, we're we're panicking in Austin about everything shut down. Uh, power's been out on my end since two a.m. So just mm. trying to enjoy the snow from the window and stay warm. Uh, we're not used to that over here in Texas, so it's a very very odd winter for us for sure. Yeah, well, hang in there, my man generator sales typically go up after stuff like this so uh just do your best out there and and we're looking at it squarely in the teeth right now as it makes its way into the southeast and we're going to talk some more about austin texas coming up here in just a little bit but the bigger breaking type news today gus malzahn it looks like headed to orlando and ucf i guess there was a hire there at the athletic director level similar to what we saw at Tennessee I guess talking about UCF and that transition up to Knoxville um you surprised by this and the question we asked earlier do you think maybe UCF upgraded with Gus Malzahn if in fact it it plays out that way yeah I think it's a I think it's a really strong hire obviously they took Arkansas State's athletic director uh who has an extended background with Gus Malzahn, Gus Malzahn being an alumnus of that university, a former coach there. So when that kind of came to fruition a couple of days ago, Gus Malzahn's name started to pop up, and I think it made all the sense in the world. Gus was kind of, at least in the background of a couple jobs this off season, including at Texas Tech, had they chosen to let go of Matt Wells. So I'm not surprised to see Gus getting into it so quickly. As for if it's an upgrade or not, I think, excuse me, I think largely it probably is. I think if you look at Gus on paper, he's been to a national championship game. He's beaten Nick Saban three times. He's been one of the more successful coaches of the last decade. That is a guy who can go into UCF and win right away. Although I do have a bit of a hesitation about Gus's recent track record, particularly offensively. 
I think he is a step down from Josh Heupel in that regard. And if I'm Dylan Gabriel, I'm a little a little apprehensive about it. But I think Gus is a big enough brand name, and he's out of school with enough resources to win right away and to win a lot. Let's talk about Sark out there in your neck of the woods now in Austin, Texas. And we talked about this when he got the job and how Quinn Ewers, the five-star quarterback there for the, in the state of Texas for that 2022 cycle, was at one time committed uh, to Tom Herman and the Longhorns and then flipped his commitment to the Ohio State Buckeyes. kind of wondered what approach Sark would take there, uh, if, in fact, Ewers would have any interest in maybe circling back uh, on his end of things. But um, it looks like Sark is is gone back to his comfort zone out there in the state of Texas, and Malik Murphy, a composite, a 24-7 sports composite five-star, and a, uh, a big pickup for, for Sark when you when you look ahead a year, I guess. Yeah, huge. Um, whenever a guy like Quinn Ewers decommits from your class, you don't really expect to pick up a quarterback even somewhat close uh, to what Quinn Ewers is going to produce. I don't think Texas did as good as Malik Murphy is. He's a five star in the 2022 class. Like there's only one twin years in this class, but when you're Sark and you're early kind of in your tenure, you create momentum however you can. And by picking up a five star quarterback to kind of be the bell cow of that class, I don't think he could have done much better. A lot of those 2022 dominoes have already fallen and Malik Murphy was the best available player on the board position. And for Sark to strike that quickly, this early in his tenure is only going to kind of really help that class be pushed along the rest of the offseason. I think it was a huge, huge thing for Sark to get that quarterback committed next cycle and to kind of get a jump start on bringing that class together. Yeah, same high school, by the way, for Malik Murphy as Tom Brady. Not bad when you look at it. No, from that I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, Janapero Sarah High School out there in the state of So all he has to do is win seven Super Bowls and uh, date a supermodel to kind of be the best quarterback from his high school. Yeah, I think Texas fans would just take Vince Young. You know, just be – all he's got to (laughs) be is Vince Young. That's all he's got to be, right? As great as Vince was back in the day. Absolutely no pressure there with Vince Young. None at all. (laughs) That guy means nothing in Texas. Like, it's a very easy legacy to live up to. Um, Did – did Texas, by the way, and Alabama essentially swap assistant coaches? Now, not position for position because Jeff Banks, obviously, tight end, special teams, offensive side of the ball, but just an amazing path, too, for Jay Valai here in the last month or so, really since 2016 when you look at his resume. But I guess it's just indicative, too, Chris. We talked about this earlier. This is this is Power 5 coaching slash NFL coaching sort of intertwined now uh, in 2021 when you look at Jay Valai. Yeah, it's a crazy path for Jay, unquestionably. You mentioned it earlier. He was just like a private defensive back trainer less than five years ago, and now he's the uh, cornerbacks coach at Alabama. And as you said, he's had a he's had a wild offseason. He wasn't retained at Texas, so he went to Houston. Um, I'm sure you've told your listeners this past, but it's kind of crazy. Uh, he left that job at Houston to take a job with the Eagles, and now he was offered a job with the Alabama Crimson Tide, and he's headed there. So quite a month for him, and I don't know if it's an equal trade. Um, Jeff Banks is clearly one of the elite recruiters in the country, and I think that special teams aspect of it is really, really big for Texas. They've struggled with that position since Mac Brown left. But um, Jay is a really great recruiter and up-and-coming coach, and he is somebody with kind of Alabama's backing is going to be an elite recruiter for the Tide, no question about that. Yeah, and of course, as we know, and the, the positional hires, especially in the wake of Charles Huff moving on, Carl Scott moving on, Jeff Banks moving on, uh, especially critical when you talk about the recruiting aspect of backfilling for guys that were among the top 10 in the 2021 cycle in all of college football. Speaking of recruiting, Chris, I got to ask you, I know you had a chance to catch up with uh, Jake Spavital the head coach there at Texas State, Texas State. Fascinating, though, to see that Texas State, in terms of where its most recent recruiting effort sits, I guess right now, they still have some spots open, as you noted in the update. But 
to this point, the 2021 class at Texas State is made up entirely of transfers. Is that correct? Yeah, not not a single high school player in Texas State's 2021 class, which is <laughs> which is insane, especially when you consider the state Texas State is located in. There's a lot of high school football talent in Texas, and for Texas State to go with an all-transfer strategy is extremely, extremely bold. Um, Jake Spavadol kind of walked around the question a little bit when I asked him. He was saying they offered a lot of high school kids, and they just said no. I think that's somewhat true, but if you kind of look at Texas State's offers this cycle, probably like 70% of them went to players who went to the Power Five eventually, so Texas State didn't really have a shot to sign those guys. I think they really purposely decided their roster needed an upgrade of talent, so he went right to the portal, and he added 10 players from the FBS and FCS level plus a JUCO transfer. And I don't, they have 10 counters left this cycle, so they're not done. This transfer class could be 15 or 16 deep uh, by the time the season starts next year. And I think it's a product of a couple things, but mostly just a kind of change in strategy and what the transfer portal allows. If you're Texas State, a program who hasn't really had much success from, since coming over from the STS level uh, earlier this century, like you have to try something new, and Jake Spavadol is doing that, and it's either going to work or flame out spectacularly. We saw something similar with Charlie Weiss at Kansas when he brought in so many JUCO players. That didn't work, but Texas State is a different level of football, and there are much better players available in the transfer portal now. So um, I think that program is one of the more fascinating to watch over the next couple of years. Speaking of the transfer portal, Alabama apparently – has its eye on a particular individual. I know you've reported on this, and Hank South, our recruiting analyst there at BOL, late last week had an absolutely revealing update how, with the father how of about Henry Toa Toa. Henry Toa Toa's dad, man. That was crazy. <laughs> Hank was delivering the goods. Yeah, I'm surprised Hank didn't like pass out during the course of all that and you know, try to maintain consciousness. That's a recruiting analyst dream update uh, in, the, in the era, especially of social media. But the, the situation with the one-time rule being tabled, uh, is there a feeling one way or the other about how this might go in April, I guess? Or, you know, it was anticipated in January, I guess, that it would that it would push through. And here we are waiting on April. Anything you can shed some light on there? Is it is it kind of just up in the air still? I think it's. I think it's very, very, very likely to be passed. Almost everybody in college football is operating under the assumption that it will be passed. You've seen coaches adopt a strategy like Texas State largely because they assume that rule, that rule will be passed. I would be shocked if it wasn't. I think it getting pushed back had a lot more to do with the NCAA having to deal with so many other things related to COVID than the rule actually being impacted. I think uh, if you're looking for a rule that is a little bit more contentious right now and a little more up for debate, it's the NIL discussion. But in terms of the transfer rule itself, I do expect that to go through in April. Wanted to ask you from your perspective, because we're starting to get more and more into NFL draft talk as you get into the process, but here still kind of on the the outset of it, or, you know, still a lot to be determined. Um, who do you see as, as Alabama's best pro in this class? Not necessarily it's, it may end up being that it's, in your opinion, the, the first player that, that comes off the board from the Alabama contingent. But when you think ahead to a professional career, which of these Alabama guys in this upcoming draft do you sort of envision as the top pro of the group? I'm I'm interested to hear your answer, but I, I thought about this for a while, and I think Patrick Sertan is the one I feel safest with. I think Patrick Sertan is a 15-year NFL pro. I think he is as technically sound as any cornerback to come out of the draft in a very long time. He obviously has the NFL pedigree. He has the requisite side, all of the requisite kind of athletic traits that you need. He was excellent in college against the best receivers. And I do not doubt that Patrick Satan will be a multi-time pro bowler. Um, I want to say a guy like Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, but I have, I have questions long-term about Devontae kind of holding up with his thin frame in the NFL as great as he was and as great as he is. Galen Waddle, kind of some of the same questions with how small he is. I think it you kind of risk injury down the line at his size, as explosive as he is. And as good as the NFL is getting people in space, 
kind of with his athletic abilities. But Patrick Sertan is the guy long-term that I just think is going to be an absolute star and an absolute pro for a really long time. So he's the safe answer, and I feel pretty good about kind of picking him among that group. Yeah, I think if I was going to pick a guy in this group in terms of dollars made in the NFL, it'd be hard to go against Patrick Sertan, uh, especially when you consider the value of his position. I think it's actually decreased in in recent years because it's become so much about offense. I think there's more value with wide receivers even now. Uh, But if you're truly an elite corner like a Jalen Ramsey or one of those guys, uh, you're going to make a lot of money. I'll go with – I'll go – and speaking of a position that's not valued, and this may be why you didn't pick Najee Harris, but – just in terms of what he can do at his respective position as a pro, uh, it's hard for me to look away from Najee because he is so good as a receiver. He's become a better pass protector. He is truly an every down back. He's not going to be a big home run hitter. But how many guys in the NFL, how many games a week do you watch in the NFL and guys are ripping off 70-yard runs? I mean, it, it doesn't happen that much anyway uh, in the NFL. I, I just like his his versatility and his entire skill set. I'll tell you the career I'd like to have, though, and the guy who will probably be around the longest, give me Mac Jones. Because if Mac Jones isn't a starter, Chris, I mean, he is the consummate backup for probably 23 years, if that's what he wants to do. He, 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 I, I think Mac Jones can be in the NFL as long as he wants, Chris. Yeah, I think Mac Jones, I think he's a guy that could start as accurate as he is. His mobility in the pocket really worries me especially if a team has a good interior rush like and doesn't have as good of a line as Alabama did. But I, I totally agree with his accuracy, kind of the way he looks at the game, how smart he is. He is going to be that quarterback that you're like in 2042, and you're like, huh, he's still around? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I totally agree. He's going to have a really long NFL career. He's going to make a lot of dollars. Might not be starter dollars, but he'll make Chase Daniel like $6 million a year for exactly. a backup roll dollars, and that's good living right there. Matt Moore, you know, Chase Daniel, Brian, look at Brian Hoyer. Blaine Gabbert just won a yeah. Super Bowl ring. Blaine Gabbert just won a, a world championship ring. Give me a break. Matt Barkley Chad, still rattling Chad around. Too. Like Chad, I remember like Chad oh, yeah. Henney from like two decades Chad ago. Money. It was like at Michigan. Chad Money. Like, yeah. like he was he was throwing important playoff passes. Like Matt Jones could easily do that. I, I completely agree <laughs> with that. He's going to have a – I will say like it's a tough position to be a quarterback in the NFL – Especially when you're a first-round pick, there's going to be a lot of kind of eyes on you. But once he kind of gets past that point in his career, even if he's not a superstar, I think Mac Jones is going to have a really long career in the NFL without much yeah, question. Give me Mac. Give me Mac's uh, career, whether he's the next Joe Montana slash Tom Brady or just even Josh McCown. Give it to me. Give me all those years. <laughs> give me all that service time. There, that, there uh, are worse things to be than Josh McCown. Oh, no question oh, about that. I mean, there is such a need for backup. Some of these guys are coaching high school teams during the week and then flying into like Philadelphia on Friday on Saturdays to back up or be the number three on Sunday. It's beautiful. It's going to be great for Mac Jones. Hey, uh, yeah, we appreciate no it as always, Chris. Great stuff with us here on the show. Always enjoy checking in. Stay warm out there, my man. Best of luck with the power and all that. And uh, we'll do some wellness checks on you now. Now we're committed to wellness checks for Chris Hummer in the coming days. All right, my man. The take whole care. state of Texas needs it right now. We're uh, we're just frozen. But uh, y'all stay safe out there in Alabama as well. Thanks so much. Yeah. Just just keep thinking. Pitchers and catchers report soon. Just keep thinking that. That'll keep you warm. There he goes, Chris Hummer, <laughs> National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. I'm going to step aside for a break. We come back more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm 
Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. As always, appreciate Chris Hummer. Chili Chris Hummer out there in Austin, Texas today. Joining us here on the program. What do you think, Jacob Harrison? What do you think about uh, that question? Alabama's best pro in this latest NFL hall. If you had to pick one from this group, who do you envision as the best overall pro? So, so that I'm understanding it, out of the 68 that are in the NFL right now? No, or, or uh, this going, draft crop. Oh, uh, the draft crop. Yeah. Um, I think that Landon Dickerson will have the best career. He loves him. Jacob loves him some Landon Dickerson. I do. I mean, he just <laughs> loves LD. Even with the two knee issues. I mean, you're not worried about the medical? I mean, yeah, everybody should be worried about the medical, but I just think, you know, it's a bit easier for him to, to fly under the radar. You know, the expectations won't be quite as high for him. Uh, but if he can turn in a 10-year career, then, you know, out of Versatility, nowhere. Versatility, intangibles. Right. If you need him at guard, that's gonna, that's not going to be an issue. Whereas, even though Najee has the measurables or Smitty has, you know, the Heisman backing him up, there's still there's this level of expectations that is almost unattainable until they start doing freakish things like what Derrick Henry does on a weekly weekly basis, and that's just that's a little difficult to project. Saw something over the weekend, sort of made the comparison of Derrick Henry and Najee Harris coming out of Alabama, and the assertion was. Najee goes to the NFL as a more complete player. Well, I don't think you can argue that. I mean, you look at what Najee did as a receiver over these last two years especially, uh, and you're not going to argue with that. But the thing was, the offenses at Alabama couldn't have been more different in 2015 and what they were in 19 or really 20, yeah, 19 and 20 with Najee as the primary guy. I mean, entirely different. And Derrick Henry got 395 carries in 2015. Uh, that wasn't the case with Najee Harris in that offense the last two years. Now, he was able, may have hurt Derrick too. Najee was able to showcase the pass-catching abilities. I think that is the biggest reason why you see Najee as high in some mock drafts. You're, you did a mock here in the last couple of days, right? And you have... You have Najee in the high teens, don't you? Going to the Dolphins, Jacob? Yeah, yeah had him go 18 to the Dolphins. Uh, and and, <laughs> and you're probably basing a good bit of that on his complete completeness as a back, for lack of a better word, I guess. Yeah, well, he could step in and be, be the bell cow, mm-hmm. and then if anybody that had trepidations about his speed, they still have Matt Breda on the roster, who's one of the fastest running backs in the NFL. So, I mean, you can yeah. kind of balance that out. Yeah, but in terms of value at his position, as we all know, that's high for a back these days, you know. Extremely. <laughs> Saquon Barkley, you've got the rare exception, I guess, in the last four or five years. But uh, all the college production in the world doesn't mean a lot to the evaluators at the next level. And that's where you have a problem with Najee in terms of projecting him as the best pro in this group because, man, with the value of that position being what it is, as soon as you lose just a little bit, you can lose a little bit at quarterback. You can lose a little bit at offensive tackle. But as soon as you lose just a little bit as a running back in the National Football League, they're on to the next dude. I mean, just look at Leonard Fournette for more on that. And it really wasn't about ability with Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. It was just the guy just didn't know how to be a pro. And so the Jags transition away from Leonard Fournette with an undrafted free agent in James Robinson who goes for over 1,000 yards in 2020 for a one-win team over 1,000 yards. That's how quickly it can come and go for the running backs in the NFL. Not for long, indeed. Going to head to our final break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Gary is right. 
Tuscaloosa County remains under a winter storm warning today. Initially, the big icing problems north and west of Tuscaloosa. But as cold air moves in this afternoon, rain will likely change to freezing rain. Temperatures go below freezing. We'll probably begin to see some bridge icing by mid to late afternoon. There could be some icy patches on blacktop roads tonight. We'll be in the teens early tomorrow morning. So if you're driving later this afternoon and tonight, watch out for icing on bridges and some roads as well. Again, we'll be in the teens tomorrow morning. But the good news, we go back in the 40s by Wednesday, low 50s by Thursday. We'll watch the weather carefully. We'll keep you advised. I'm James Spann in the ABC 3340 Weather Center. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. A little bit of a recruiting update in connection with this uh, inclement weather we are encountering really across the country at this point. You know, the oldest Ryer of the brood, Evan Ryer, he is a resident of Butte, Montana these days. So yesterday morning I get up, I check the old weather app to see what it's like out there in Ev's neck of the woods. Minus eight yesterday morning for Ev. That's what he woke up to. Good morning, Glory. How about minus eight? Oh, but don't worry. It's going to get up to 12. Oof. But uh, in relation to this weather, Ty Simpson, one of the top quarterback prospects for the class of 2022, we talked about Malik Murphy, the Californian, and his commitment to Steve Sarkeesian at the quarterback position for that same cycle of 2022. Well, Ty Simpson, a Tennessean up there, was going to announce his intentions this Friday at 2 o'clock Central. Now Ty Simpson updates us via social media that because of inclement weather and the closing of his school, he's delaying his commitment announcement until Friday, February the 26th at 2 p.m. Central. So Ty Simpson, Alabama, very much in play there. A lot of Clemson smoke there with Ty Simpson as well. His father, the head football coach at Tennessee, Martin. And, uh... So that one's been backed up a week. If you were kind of, you were biding your time as an Alabama fan for that Ty Simpson commitment. Those quarterback dominoes, man, they start to fall. It seems like every year, every cycle, the quarterback dominoes start to fall in January, late January into mid-February, late February. And we've seen it in the past. Jake Fromm, thinking back to the 2017 recruiting class. It was, I think, about this time. Um, in 2000, early 2017, uh, that Jake Fromm was an Alabama quarterback commitment. That changed. He flipped to the University of Georgia, and then you end up, all you did was end up with Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones. Think it worked out for Alabama in that 2017 class? We'll see what Ty Simpson's got in mind coming up here. But it'll be delayed by a week, according to his Twitter account just a few moments ago. As we told you earlier, Alabama men's basketball moves up to number eight in the latest Associated Press poll. Going to be an interesting week for the Crimson Tide in terms of Texas A&M and its status for the midweek affair with the Aggies. Uh, A&M again postponed its game over the weekend with Florida due to COVID issues. So we'll see how this week gets going for Nate Oates' team. 
You know, there was some really tragic news to report from over the weekend, too. Hated to see this as we get out of here on a Monday. But former Alabama defensive lineman Lorenzo Washington passed away yesterday at the age of 34. Of course, if you're an Alabama fan, you remember Zoe from the late Shula years into the early stages of the Nick Saban era was a part of that national championship team in 2009, a very big piece to that defensive line when Alabama football under Nick Saban really started to turn the corner. Lorenzo Washington as a recruit, especially for the Shula era, that was a big, big deal when he made the decision to commit to Alabama. Now, sort of unexpectedly, he came up short of qualifying standards. I believe he ended up at Hargrave for a year before eventually making his way to Tuscaloosa, but Lorenzo Washington as a recruit coming out of Grayson High School, Tim Watts, site publisher for BOL and myself many years ago, made the trip over to Grayson. This is back when Mickey Kahn, the former Alabama defensive back, walk-on of note from the Stallings era, was the head coach at Grayson. So we went over and we met with Zoe and just as engaging, personable, fun to be around as anyone you would ever encounter. So you just hate to see at 34 years of age, Lorenzo Washington passes away. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks again to Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com for joining us. Jacob Harrison doing an outstanding job once again producing the program. The lunch whistle on this Monday. No better place to warm up than Southern Ale House. You just walk into Southern Ale House and you automatically feel about 25 to 30 degrees warmer. And that's just the start because between the likelihood of there being either brisket chili, maybe Brunswick stew, it's a perfect, perfect day to get by Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. Beaches for me.